You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Good morning. Good evening. Good eye. I know it's been a while since I've said that, but uh, hope you are doing well. Hope you are positive. You got a good outlook. You're going to do something today that will make you happy leave the world behind you take flight uh if that's the case then then great job if not and you are joining us today learn something new well i think this is going to be actually quite interesting uh this is a very very detailed question here and kind of regarding um the future and where is all of this headed and so uh, I've been thinking, Rob and I have been thinking a lot about this, about where is the future, really, really regarding software. I think you're going to really enjoy this question. And there's a couple of very important aspects regarding software, not just about autonomy, but software to make American or domestic aircraft easier, more convenient to use, as it is uh, quite obvious how far behind the curve we are. So it's kind of like the yield curve. It's about to invert, which uh, if you're not a financial analyst, that means that we're about to have a recession. So. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we will see, but it's at 38 right now. So <laughs> it was at 65 last week. So <laughs> anyway, when uh, it hits zero, that's when it inverts. So anyway, just thought I would uh, educate you on that. Um, that said, grateful to be here. As always, my name is Rob. <laughs> His name's Rob, apparently. You like that? <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't know what to say about that. I'm actually Rob. Yeah, I'm Paul. Uh, Paul over here. Anyways, thank you for joining us askdroneyou.com get your questions in we'd love to hear from you um it's interesting we kind of go through lulls just being honest right well we'll get a bunch of questions and then we only get a couple and then i i don't know what that's about but maybe as we're moving into spring um start thinking about how you're going to kind of ramp up your business maybe you've been working on your business what have you learned from that process that you could use some help with we'd be happy to delve into some of those subjects um i don't know what about drones in the government hmm i wonder what's going on there and there's just as i think about it there's so many different things that people could ask about i guess maybe we could start coming up yeah, with our you own know, stuff the, not the, answering questions the anymore the blue suas is very interesting you know the fact they just expanded that um it's very interesting as well about how there's so few of those actual drones available and they're very expensive and they're unbelievably expensive and they're also uh, it's almost like they're 10 years behind DJI. And I will just say this to get this off my chest, but it is depressing that supposedly the most technolo- the most technologically advanced country in the world, aka the United States, which I really don't believe that anymore, um, is having such a hard time producing domestically built drones that compete on features and price as as DJI. And it's really depressing that we haven't come up with creative solutions, frankly. Um, but that's just me. I mean, obviously, I want the best for the United States, clearly. And the industry. And the industry as a whole. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it makes me think, I don't mean to bring us down. No, no, no. But <laughs> the whole, the whole, you know, government, blue, SUAS, DIU, 
What a joke. Um, I mean, literally. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like how New York senators wanted Airbnb to wait for their okay to, to create Airbnb. And if that would have been the case, we would have never had Airbnb. We would have never empowered um, the ability to travel and get away from the absolute awful reality of the pandemic and whatnot. And I am grateful that Airbnb uh, did not ask for permission. Uh, they asked for forgiveness. And I'm grateful that a lot of industries were built that way and it ended up being just fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so I hope something uh, else happens in the industry as well. I know a lot of people would be like, well, Paul, there, there are some, you know, really great, uh, you know, drones that are, you know, up and coming, uh, that are domestically built. And it's like, well, define domestically built because they all have Chinese parts. You know, define uh, great drones. Are they truly safe? Do they actually even follow the regulations? I mean, you could actually take my argument that I just made about, you know, not asking for permission uh, uh, and asking for forgiveness in relation to Skydio. You know, I mean, they are building drones that directly violate 107 and they're not asking for permission. They'll ask for forgiveness once. I don't the, think they have to. <laughs> once the regulators get smart enough to realize what's going on, it'll um, be like the media with the current pandemic of like, oh, man, I got used. I think we're past that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that ain't happening. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So, I mean, it, yeah, it's a very interesting, um, very, very interesting. We actually just looked at buying uh, one of these new SUAS, blue SUAS drones to augment a training. And there are 14 available in the entire United States. There are 14. That's a lot. I, that, I mean, it, I think it really goes into, uh, you know, Blue SUAS says they're all about scalability and production. Well, 14. That's, uh, that's a lot of scale. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're... I don't know, trying to scale a small town. I know. <laughs> that might work. Yeah, like, what? I'm, this is comical. Yeah. We are going to build the best drones in the world. We'll give you 14 of them. <laughs> and even, yeah, even for those that are able to scale, which, of course, is a very relative term, and we won't get into defining that necessarily, but even that sense, it's still very expensive drones, right? Like you said, they're all five figures and above. What is so difficult about this? I, I, I really, I, and I think this actually goes into the, uh, I think one of the big difficulties is software. I think it's really about coding and software. Um, and frankly, I, I, I mean, that's what kind of the Well, we can create the damn metaverse, can't we? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, and I mean, or we can create safe money transfer where... Generally speaking, you know your money is yours and it goes to where it's supposed to go and all that stuff. I would think we could figure these things out. Well, I mean, you look at people on Instagram who are building like the best of the best Cinewhip drones because I've been wanting to get my hands on one. Uh, and I think I might just go to a CNC maker and, and get exactly what I want. But um, you think about it's like the Catalyst Machine, I believe is the name of the Instagram account. They are producing more drugs than most of these people on this blue SUAS website. I mean, it's such a joke. It's like, and they make Cinewhoop drones that carry ungodly expensive cameras on an FPV drone. And they're not having any issue whatsoever. And it actually is a good, it's a good talking point because it showcases when you empower the pilot, you can really do anything because the human mind is limitless. And you think of Cinewhoop and there is mm. no autonomy. There is no software. There Which is requires nothing. more skill. Yes. And is it really so hard to ask someone to build that skill? No, it's not at all. I mean, look at some of these kids that have come up out of nowhere to be like world-renowned, you know, pilots flying for Michael Bay and whatnot, you know? So, 
and 14-year-old FPV champions exactly. in like, Dubai. Is it really that hard? <laughs> no, it's about putting the time in. It's about, you know, practicing and it's about the perfect practice model. And, you know, well, here's the thing. Those kids that we're talking about that we're referring to, they're going to make it happen. Right. Exactly. So they will develop that skill and deploy these sort of easier to access options in terms of drones. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, either join them or get left behind eventually, because unless somebody figures this out and this being a drone that can compete with DJI, whether you think they're evil or not, they still set the standard. Unless someone figures that out, then it's going to take something like the Cinewhoop and kids that are going to develop the skill. Yeah, and it really makes you think about what's so important about reinventing the wheel. You take literally the most, you know, the most popular DJI drone ever sold was the uh, Mavic 2 Pro. Really? And Hmm. then right after that is the Phantom 4. And so you, you think about that and it's like, why can't you just copy what... DJI did with a Phantom 4 Pro, the three flight modes, you've got basic intelligent features, and you have certain things on screen, certain telemetry. So why can't they? Why can't we? I, I really don't know. I really, I think that kind of goes into today's question about like, hey, where's the future of software? Where is this going? Is it really about autonomy? Hmm. And I think that, you know, before we get into it, I think the long and the short of this is autonomy is absolutely not the future. There's been autonomous airplanes for 30 plus years and pilots still fly them. So clearly Skydio hasn't figured that out yet. And then you also think about what's the biggest problem with domestic manufacturers. It's two things. It's one, it's uh, a shortage of parts and supply chain. And two, it's software to make these drones convenient, easy, and consistently flyable. It, it's really that simple. You know, I mean, like, I feel like, yes, there are a lot of nuances inside of both of those the, those verticals. But at the, the end of the day, if we're supposedly the smartest country in the world, how come we're not figuring this out? Oh, yeah, because we're not the smartest country in the world. If you look at, like, education numbers, we're down in the 30s uh, for education right now. So, you know, the narrative is falling apart, Rob. The fourth turning is happening. Are you encouraged yet? Sorry, is this depressing? Should we re-record this whole thing? No, but let's answer the question. Okay, let's go into the question. Morning, guys. Chris in Idaho. My question for you guys today deals with software and computer programming for some of these drones we're flying. We have general designs of landing gear, arms, a body, durable plastic, etc. Some are heavier, some are lighter. It seems to me that the future is changing in the software and the autonomous flight designs that these drones are being asked to do. I haven't seen a lot of different designs in shapes and functions of the drone, but more in the software and the computer and the technology that's being used to fly them and use them autonomously in different tasks. What do you see in the future for software and computer design that's going to make some of these drones more effective or better at doing tasks in the future. Thanks. Hmm. The more I, because I've listened to that multiple times, it's going to make it better for tasks. I think number one, we'd have to define what tasks. Yeah. 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 There's a lot that's out there, you know, it's a different Uh, answer depending on the task. Yeah. Avoiding, you know, um, guide wires for cell phone towers and doing maps or, you know, delivery mapping. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you this. I think of like the phone and the phone 
is pretty much what it is in terms of the hardware and the platform. I mean, they can make faster chips, et cetera, et cetera. But where the real advancements come is in the software, what it can do. But, and so I think of like Samsung and they tried to say, okay, well, we're going to innovate and we're going to make a folding phone. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that thing sucks. And I've actually seen them in the store. Yeah. And these are relatively new because they've been in the store and you can already see the crease in the screen. Really? Basically. Yeah. Huh. So that's basically died. They're, um, they're back to their S21 and 22 and whatever the new phone that looks like this one is. So... <laughs> Is that what where we're at with drones? I mean, I never would say because you'd be a fool to say everything that's ever going to be created that's good has, has been created. Somebody said that years and whatever, decades ago, right? And they were a fool and then computers came and all that stuff. So I would never say that. But when it comes to the specific platform of drones, what – I mean, it seems like the the hardware side of it is pretty well figured out. I mean, it's pretty simple. You got your flight controller. You got your ESCs. You have your motors and you have your props. Uh, and then you have a battery. Yeah, so the question then is, what do we want the software to do? What do we want it to do? Well, what are those I, tasks? And, and, you know, that's kind of like the basis of this question, because one of the things I wanted to bring up in this particular show is that, you know, we know of a couple manufacturers who are adamantly and desperately trying to create a more convenient and easy-to-use user interface for a variety of drones, you know, like uh, Alterian based flight controllers, uh, Pixhawk based flight controllers, uh, Multicopter, etc. And, uh, you know, they're really struggling to make these birds easy and convenient to fly like DJI. I mean, that this is something that we've been saying for years, that why did DJI do so well? Well, they took essentially the, the fruit section and created the frozen fruit section. They made it easy and convenient to buy, to pick up fruit whenever you need it, to, you know, to, to make it work, to make it more utilitarian. And a lot of these other drones that are coming out that are supposed to be competing with these other Chinese drones, they are not easy and convenient to fly. They have not really figured out a lot of the problems that DJI has figured out over time. They don't give you the basic information that you need to be able to fly. I mean, like, it kind of makes me wonder. I really want to go through the history of automotive uh, creation because if uh, the way that the automotive industry is now is reminiscent of the 1910s, the 20s, and 30s, meaning there were so many companies on the stock market that were building automobiles. And you know who ended up making it? GM and Ford and Jeep. And then Jeep became uh, Chrysler. Chrysler and then Daimler Chrysler. And then they rolled that over into Stellaris. And then, you know, like it, it, it's now Fiat Chrysler, whatever. But my point is, is that there were at one point, if I remember like 85 or 90 companies that were building cars um, for the automotive industry and less than three survived. And you look at it now, and you've got all these EV makers. I mean, I feel like half of the Super Bowl commercials regarding vehicles were EVs, right? You know, Tesla, uh, Polestar. Chevrolet. I was surprised by that. I didn't know that was coming. Yeah, the, the it, looked, it looked like an old avalanche that they d- did a facelift to. I actually thought it looked kind of cool. Yeah, me that, too. Um, but that said, um, you know, all these are EVs. And it's gonna it's really going to be interesting because I think at the end of the day, the, the EVs that are going to be successful are the EVs that have the most robust battery packs 
that can handle extreme temperature deviations, that can handle damage, that can, you know, just keep working no matter what. Um, and that and, can go more than 300 miles. Yeah, that too. And I mean, like, I, I think this is actually reminiscent of, again, the drone industry because battery technology in a lot of these other manufacturers, they don't have proprietary batteries. They claim that they're smart batteries. They're not all that smart, uh, but they might be technically smart. Um, but they, they really, they don't have the consistency and the reliability that we've seen from other manufacturers. And so my point in bringing this up is that right now, you know, kind of going back to the analogy as a whole, uh, a lot of the the successful EVs will be those who make it easy and convenient to drive and have very robust uh, infrastructure to make that happen. They work, they work consistently, and they're easy to use. That is who is going to survive, which is why a lot of people have said that Tesla is the end-all, be-all. And while I really love Elon Musk, and he's probably the strongest mental human on the planet, I just don't see Tesla uh, really becoming... Um, the number one EV maker. Probably be top three, though. Becoming. Well, they are. You think they're going to get overtaken. Yes, because you have other companies that have more infrastructure and capability to build EVs, like Ford and the Lightning, et cetera, mm-hmm. Rivian, et cetera. But then, to bring this back to the, the show's question of software and where software can take us, look at how software caused the absolute demise of the Volt, the Chevy Volt made by GM and how they're blowing up in people's driveways. Uh, And then now they're, I mean, they recalled almost every single one. I didn't know that. Um, And so Hmm. you think about now they're like, ooh, this the electric Silverado. It's like, well, hold on a minute. An electric vehicle is once again, a computer, Mm -hmm. a battery, and a couple high torque motors. That's it. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely it. We go from what, 125 moving parts in the EcoBoost engine down to like four or five. So, I mean, it's insane. Now, that said, if you don't have the right software to control those things and think of um, when you put your foot down on the gas pedal, right? If we had drive-by wire in an EV car and you put your foot down even a millimeter, it's going to be like insta-torque, throw your head in the back of the seat, not in a fun way, but in a painful way, right? So which is why in the software it's called the dead band, where it's the deviation between when the input was uh, initiated to where the input is received by the computer and the action taken therein. I mean, this is very complicated software actions, right? Right. And different environments cause for different reactions. I mean, it's definitely a, a, a cart model. Uh, is probably used a uh, hundred times over in the, in these software applications. My point in saying this is whoever has the most robust software with the most robust infrastructure will create the most reliable EV that will be bought by millions and millions and millions of people. And in other they words, will survive. the software piece of this is incredibly important. That's exactly right. And that's where, you know, and I know he's asking a lot about software and autonomy, but I feel like if you are in software engineering, American drone manufacturers need you in spades. They need you. They need you to code. They need you to sit behind a computer for hours on end. Just don't make it like the Kitty Hawk offices and depressing is all hell. So that said, <laughs> it's okay. They don't exist anymore. They're a new, there's a new name for them. Uh, so that said, um, there is a huge opportunity for, for software development. Do I believe that software development as a whole is something that is moving into autonomy? Yes and no. Is autonomy going to replace the pilot? Absolutely not. Is autonomy going to augment the pilot with really, really powerful and capable solutions? Absolutely, yes. But it's not, it is not a um, uh, a mutually exclusive, absolute prisoner's dilemma scenario. It's just not. 
Yeah, and I think he was asking about much more than autonomy. I think he was asking just in general, what is what do you see as some of the developments that software will allow for in terms of the tasks that drones are able to take care of? And that's why I come back to what do we want them to do? And I think a lot of what we want them to do is, is known. Inspections, mm-hmm. photography, videography, mapping, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. Um, Delivery. I, okay, where could software take us? You know, we've talked about this with, with our good friends in North, in North Carolina um, about how you could have the DeWalt of drones, mm-hmm. right? You buy a drone and it's like you pick it up at Home Depot. And it's got all these different attachments, right? It's got a, a, a sawzall on it. It's got a chainsaw, okay? It's got a, um, a little arm to pick and pluck things, okay? And this software development could help us do things like trim our trees, Okay. That's a freaking scary proposition. <laughs> I, but hey, no. You asked the question. I did. Run, keep running. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We got we got I mean, okay, well, hold on. Let's let's go. No, let's, no, no, keep going. Let's keep go going. a little lighter. Okay. Keep going. No, no. We're gonna cut trees down okay. with drones. We just watched our parking lot. <laughs> we just watched our parking lot get its cracks filled. And there were six individuals running one small little pump. That was the epitome of a lack of entrepreneurship. We've all seen these crews, right? Road crews, whatever, wherever. And yeah. you've got six people that are hanging on the shovel and one guy's over on the tr- by the truck on the phone and one guy's running a tractor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tractor guy's working at least. I could replace all those guys with a good drone, a good 100-pound R-Max drone. And good software. And good software. <laughs> that Literally, think about it. The drone does an ortho of... Uh, the parking lot. It showcases the cracks. It says, okay, these cracks are this big, so we're going to use high heat tar. And over here, these cracks are too big for the high heat tar, so we're going to have to actually fill it with aggregate and then tar it up with traditional, uh, what is it called? Uh, What's pavement material called? Um, Asphalt. Asphalt. Thank you. Well, hey, and then the Lucid drone pops up Oh, Lucid has a huge opportunity with here. the with the mech with the pump, you know the whole system, oh, yeah. and then it just you use um, the software and whatever geo geo referencing, and you tell it where to go put the stuff. I, I mean, I don't really see this as difficult, right? The drone flies well, up, it does an ortho. Yeah, it'd be difficult, but go ahead. The drone flies up, does an ortho, volumetrically measures each crack, notates where the cracks are. They're geo reference lines. Same thing as you know shape files that we use in Esri all the time. And then the, the secondary drone pops up and says, okay, all these cracks are under class one of fill or class two. Okay, we're going to fill class one cracks right now. Fly up, fill, 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 fill. I mean, you're only limited by essentially how much weight you could carry. And that said, I mean, you could have one drone complete the entire parking lot in a day. Well, you don't have to carry because you use the, the tethered hose system that Lucid is using. The only thing that I wonder about that is because it's such it's a high heat component, you know, and it's just like that has to be put down on the ground at a very high heat to like settle Understand. and then it cools, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's some logistical things here, but yeah, software to create automated flight pattern over said parking lot, software to capture photos, software to make ortho, software to identify, hey, this is a contrast-based deviation in color. Uh, We're going to measure it as a volume. Okay, we measure it. Now we know how much material we need in class one, class two. And then software says, hey, big drone, hey, big lucid drone, why don't you go ahead and go spray every class one 
uh, uh, crack and come back to us when you run out of material and we'll go to class two. I mean, I really think drones could absolutely make our lives as a whole so much easier. And the economic impact of Lucid and the parking stuff is is huge, right? Our HOA did not tell anyone that they were completely shutting down the parking lot. So luckily for us, we like we we don't really care. We're just kind of like we don't have customers per se, right? They come in here, but yeah, doctors' it, offices all around got, us do. They got screwed hard. Literally having to. Anyways, that's a whole hundreds thing. of thousands of dollars of lost revenue from all the offices that surround ours that had appointments that day that some lady uh no i'm not gonna be i hate her okay so yeah um (laughs) made a unilateral decision that didn't communicate with anyone you know uh it's the epitome of a great leader so um and then all these people get screwed and i mean we know this because we know the owners of these other businesses and they're they're furious um but that said imagine the drone going in there it does the assessment it calculates how much material it fills the cracks and the job is done in one twentieth of the time, yeah. right? But we're limited by regulations right now in, in really what we could do. So that's one example. Exactly, yeah, I, which I, that's great and that's fun. And so Chris, to your question, I probably would throw it back at you and what ideas do you have? I mean, what, what do you want the drone to do? Let's talk about water management. Yeah. Let's talk about creating a map. We get our topo, we get our elevations. And it's now, almost like you reverse engineer it. I wanted to do this. And then you reverse exactly. engineer how to do it. Well, and now we have our auger attachment for our drone. And our drone augs out each line perfectly level, perfectly in line with our as-built and our plans. Auger on okay. drone? Yeah, an auger. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, labor prices yeah. will finally go up and these people will be happy. And here's the thing. And then the drone will say, hey, we need to lay 800 feet of pipe. Okay, well, they come in in 20-foot increments, and you have a team of drones go clink. Excuse me. Gosh, that was gross. Um, (laughs) Clink, you know, and then it lays the pipes down at a very specific depth. And then the next drone comes in with a little bit of, you know, concrete to fill it to make sure they stay level. And then the next drone comes in that has, like, the shovel attachment and pushes all the dirt back in the hole. And then another drone comes in and goes... And taps it all back in place. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> like, I mean, so you're getting rid of all humans. <laughs> no, that's the thing is that with the way that the FAA actually set up part 107, as long as they stick to it, is brilliant because you are not replacing anyone. You are just augmenting what they do. If you're the useless guy on the phone next to the truck, yeah, you might not have a job. Or you might be the software engineer controlling the drone, telling it what to do, et cetera. Yeah. But I mean, think about this. We need to fundamentally rethink the way that everything is done because instead of having 10 trucks show up, that's how many trucks came approximately for the parking lot stuff. You have one big autonomous vehicle that's got the burners and the material and you got your two types of material and they're both being, you know, uh, heated like a hot mess, like a heated mess, uh, you know, in the truck. The drone goes there, grabs the aggregate material, sprays it down, etc. You could automate the entire thing, but you would still need people to oversee it because emergencies happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like these things never of work. Of course, closely. yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd need humans there monitoring, and running, etc. The whole labor thing, I think, might be a fool's errand argument because so many people are in this purpose-driven ideology right now. They want to do something that fulfills their purpose, right? Well, 
personally, I know this probably sounds weird. I enjoy manual labor. I know that sounds really freaking weird to a lot of people. I love the instant gratification of building something. I love the instant gratification of digging holes. I don't know what it is. Maybe the Disney movie Holes did a lot for me. I don't know, but <laughs> that, that's a millennial joke. Um, but that said, um, you know, he asked, what are the development of these drones? Open your mind. Go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, look around at what's being sold, look around at all these different jobs that are being done. I mean, I will say there is one particular job that I know a drone could do way better job than a human could do. And it's because of, I'm not, I don't need to get nefarious. Okay. We're all human. We all make mistakes. And the other day when I was looking up, how many times do you forget, forgive someone? The answer was, was, was very interesting. 70 times seven. Uh, Which means? Uh, you're, you're always forgiving people. There, there really it's is it's no infinite. limit. Yeah. yeah There's yeah, no yeah, limit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was a new lesson for Paul. So uh, <laughs> I digress. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you forgive me? Rob, how many times have you forgiven me? <laughs> Let's turn this around. <laughs> so uh, I think I have more things that need to be forgiven than you do. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, but that said, I mean, you, you think about a home inspector. We're in the home buying process. We're in the office uh, uh, acquisition Search. process. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many buildings that uh, have mold in them that I've been in. And it's it's clear as glass because you get the you get the runny nose, you get the insta headache. like and it, all most of the realtors that I've been working with have no clue. They are obliviously blind. And they have no idea the liability and the impacts that mold have on chronic health issues. Most people don't. That doesn't mean that it's okay. If you're a realtor and you're selling a home, you have a legal obligation to know these things. And so I think of a home inspector who the realtor relies on to know these things. And I've seen a lot of inspectors do their thing. And it's, it, meh. In I a market it, like this, they are going through the motions like nobody's business. I know it's kind of disgusting, though, because a lot of people are getting hurt in the process. I don't know if you read uh, there's a story in Forbes about a couple who bought a home in San Francisco to find uh, a wasp nest with it was like hundreds of thousands of wasps underneath the house. That the, oh, that's just gross. That the freaky. homeowners had hid because they did like a video walkthrough, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they bought it for like $900,000. they did. And now they can't sell it because now they have to disclose that they know that, right? And it's just a CF, right? And if the home inspector had done his job, this poor newlywed couple would not be financially ruined for the rest of their lives. Well, and in home inspectors, we're way getting on a tangent here. But I'm just uh, saying. home inspectors' per, um, defense, they do what the order says they should do. So Which comes down you have to, to what? order the right kind of inspection. Yeah. Just because it, we brought it up, I thought I'd mention it. It comes I, down to what? What do you mean? Well, it comes down to there are certain types of home inspections that are regulated by the, the certifying board in every state for said inspections, which is relying on people who typically do administrative work to understand the science and new applications of how home inspections could be done. Hmm. And these people bless their hearts, are probably more focused on keeping businesses running, certificates going, uh, the home industry moving along, rather than looking into new and innovative means of ensuring that they're protecting the consumer at the end of the day. 
And so you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's I, it's, it's like a it's like a circle of uh, of of screwiness. There's some conflict. Exactly. There's some conflict, and you know, I think so much of what all of us do in our daily lives, in terms of occupation in particular, there's always conflict like that. So then it comes down to integrity, and that's all a different show. Maybe. Yeah. No. It is a. It is definitely a, a different. <laughs> all of show. our listeners have the integrity necessary to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that it really is interesting to think about, and uh, appreciate the question, Chris. Askdroneu.com for your question. We really want to hear from you. Did you have something else you were going to say? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say that as far as software is concerned, there's a huge opportunity right now for domestic manufacturers. We need software engineers to make these drones more competitive with Chinese drones. Okay, I think software engineers are sitting there saying, "Fine, I love it. It sounds fun. Pay me." Yep. Well, and there are companies that are paying lots of money. I mean, again, you look at look at the example. You look at people like um, uh, you look at people like uh, Vantage Robotics, um, Teal Drones, Skydio, right? A l- lots of software engineering going on. And then you look at someone like Watts Innovations. Okay, they've nailed it. They've made it more convenient and easy to fly these really big complex drones. Mm-hmm. Okay, what were the drones flying the Super Bowl this weekend? Oh yeah, Watts Innovations. Okay. They were? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yep. MFD five thousand. Mm-hmm. So Beverly Hills Aerials flying Super Bowl MFD five thousand. That was the drone they used. Nice. So that said, they have used software engineers to make that drone phenomenally easy to fly. I still want them, Watts, Bobby, to to make the DJI killer. I think the if killer, anyone the could, killer. it's them. If anyone could, it's them. So yeah, I hope so. But we need um, it. We really need it. But I mean, FreeFly is making huge, huge progress. They just need to scale up their operations, you know. So I mean, I feel like they're the, one of the most promising aspects, in my humble opinion. So yeah, yeah. And to clarify, I don't want DJI dead necessarily. I'm just saying no, something to compete, like some uh, Compet- a drone here that Blue US or whatever would accept that's that's good and small. And, and I mean, not that expensive. Competition is good for the consumer. I mean, there's yeah. a really good show on Freakonomics about that. Um, I don't think it's even up for debate. So I want them all to win. I want them all to win. Yeah, debate, exactly. You know? Here, here. Do I love DJI because I've built a career and helped tens of thousands of other people build careers on them? Yeah, I do. It works. It's consistent. It's like, you know, if you build the right scalpel out of stainless steel and then other people say, hey, let's do it out of carbon fiber. It's like, mm, doesn't really work. You know, like if you test it and test it and test it and test it and you realize, well, we're giving people uh, carbon poisoning, so it's probably not a good idea, you know, go back to stainless steel. Okay, well, uh, looks, you, you see what my point? Like, uh, Yeah, I, let's anyways. try to fold this phone. Oh, it didn't work. Going back to the normal phone. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I hope I didn't make any of you more depressed than I am. Uh, but <laughs> no, 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 no. But, it's a good day. Beautiful day in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I actually love that the weather's getting warmer and the days are getting longer because that 54 means degrees. we That's can fly more, which I think I need to go do, frankly. Um, so that said, I think that there's a huge opportunity. I think that there is still a lot of different uh, verticals that drones can get into that autonomy would help. But again, I do not see autonomy replacing the pilot. Legally, yep. not possible. Uh, again, analogous to the airline industry, Airbus has been landing planes autonomously for decades. We still don't do it. We still rely on pilots. It's that simple. Um, uh, yeah, because who are you going to hold accountable when it goes down? No one. So anyway, on that note, I think that's going to do it for us today. I would love to hear some of your more uh, business questions, 
questions on the future, what we're going to see this year. The remote ID appeals court stuff uh, is happening. Um, they just did oral arguments mid-December. We should be getting an announcement regarding remote ID. I'm sure the FAA is scrambling right now. This is going to be a huge, huge, huge year, not only for drone pilots and regulation, but you're going to see a lot of dominoes drop this year because in that lawsuit, there are so many conflicts of interest. Noted. There are capricious acts that are utilized as evidence. And there are people in this industry that are promoting themselves as one thing. And once this actual case goes to public filing, uh, lots of dominoes are going to be falling. So uh, wow, let's wait and see what that looks like. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting even for us to learn. So uh, anyway, keep your heads up. Keep your heart above your head and your eyes wide open, as Zach Brown would say on that bombshell. That's going to do it. My name is Paul. Rob. This is Ask Dronio. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.